Glory to Jesus Christ, Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish presents Light of the East, a program revealing how the Eastern Catholic Churches have nourished the Roman Catholic Churches and today's world in profound ways through their history, traditions, mysteries, and spirituality. Hello, I am Father Thomas J. Loya, pastor of Annunciation of the Mother of God Byzantine Catholic Church in Homer Glen, Illinois, and this is the story of the Eastern Churches, an inspiring story of faith courage, intrigue, mystery, spirituality, dissension, and reconciliation. But most of all, this is an expression of a great experience of faith through our unique divine liturgy. Join with me now as we look toward the light of the East. Light of the East is also supported by the iconography of Father Thomas J. Loya. Father Loya's iconography for your prayer and home devotion may be obtained by going to MorningstarBooksAndGifts.com That's MorningstarBooksAndGifts.com Then click on the Art and Decorative link and click on Icons in the drop-down box or call 630-629-1720 Morningstar Books and Gifts 28 West St. Charles Street, Lombard, Illinois Glory to Jesus Christ. I'm Father Thomas Loya here on Light of the East. And once again, we're here with our good friend Katie Goulis. Speaking of friends, I'd like to thank our good friend Peter from Salem, New Hampshire for his very nice note that he sent to us. This is just a quick note to say Happy Father's Day from a spiritual son, longtime listener to Light of the East. Thank you for your vocation. God bless, Peter. And thank you, Peter, for listening to Light of the East. And we do enjoy hearing from any of you, so send us a letter or give us a call. Really appreciate it. Recently, there has been a national pastoral initiative for marriage. The U.S. Catholic bishops call attention to the meaning and value of married life for the church and for society. Bringing Catholic belief into dialogue with contemporary needs, the bishops urge the Catholic Church to become a community of hope and a help for marriages and to join others in building a culture of marriage. The initiative weaves together the Catholic faith tradition and its pastoral practice, the data of social science, and the experience of married couples to offer guidance and resources, including a pastoral letter in order to promote, strengthen, sustain, and restore marriages. More information about this initiative is available at the Catholic Bishop site. It's usccb.org slash laity slash marriage slash n-p-i-m. That's usccb.org slash laity slash marriage slash N-P-I-M. That's for the National Pastoral Initiative for Marriage. And our own Eparchy of Parma, my Eparchy of Parma, which is centered in Cleveland, Ohio, and we do welcome any of you listeners because we're now picked up by Living Bread Radio out of Canton, Ohio, and I appreciate all of you tuning in from the Canton, Akron, Cleveland area. My own Eparchy was centered there in Cleveland. Parma is a suburb of Cleveland. We'll also be part of this initiative. We have our very own program, and it's a very comprehensive one, which is going to feature an exhibit at our Chancery Center in Parma, Ohio, as well as a marriage video and all kinds of educational things throughout the year. This is just going to be kind of a launch pad for a whole initiative on marriage and family done by the Eparchy of Parma. And we're going to ask the question, why does marriage matter? Why choose to get married? Why work to stay married? How broadly can marriage be defined? And these other such questions are on people's minds, and the answers are clear and available. And our eparchy, together with all the Catholic bishops in America, are going to be supplying those answers for you in a whole variety of ways. And one of the things we're going to be doing is we're going to take the marriage ceremony of the Byzantine Catholic Church, and we're going to kind of use it as a 
wellspring, a reservoir, a touchstone, and we're going to really unleash its inner dynamism. In other words, we're going to unpack what is there in the Byzantine Catholic wedding ceremony. And we're going to take that ceremony, take the principles of it, the deep fundamental archetypal principles and spirituality from that ceremony, and we're going to stretch it into the everyday existence of married couples so that all their questions can in some way be answered by going back to this reservoir, dipping back into that reservoir. You know, when we're married, our marriage isn't just one ceremony on one day, although it's a huge day, especially for the brides, and rightly so. But the wedding ceremony is actually this deep reservoir that has a perennial value to it, a value that will provide the wisdom, the answers, the why behind every experience of a married couple. They just keep going back to that ceremony. I don't mean just the the ritual itself, just the motions you went through or the, the symbols, but actually what's underneath it all. We say in the Catholic Church that Eucharist is the source and summit of our existence. In other words, Eucharist, as we know from the liturgy or in the Western Church, the Mass, is informed by life. In other words, we bring all of life into the Eucharist. Then we offer it all up to God and sort of sanctify it and ask God to take all of our prayers, all of our lives, all of our intentions up with him. At the same time, conversely, Eucharist informs life. In other words, the way we live life is through that sacramentality, the view that the Eucharist gives us of praise, thanksgiving, of liturgy, of the mystical. Well, in the same way, the ceremonies, the prayer in the church, especially in the Byzantine church, the Eastern churches, the Eastern lung of the church, the liturgical ceremonies are the source and summit of our spirituality. So if you go into the liturgical ceremonies, liturgical worship, whether it's the liturgy itself or, for instance, the ritual of marriage, and kind of unpack it, you will find the wisdom of the ages there. You will find the theology of the Eastern churches in that ceremony. In other words, you sort of immerse yourself in an entire culture of the sacramentality of marriage, or as we call in the Eastern church, the mystery of marriage. And mystery means something revealed and something hidden all at the same time. So we're going to walk through a little bit as time allows, the ritual of marriage in the Byzantine Catholic Church as we begin this initiative in the whole Catholic Church, East and West in America, this initiative on marriage, to support marriage and family in this world today. The Byzantine Catholic approach to marriage has some similarities to our Western brethren in the Western lung of the Church, but at the same time, there's always differences, and these differences have to do with emphasis. In other words, a kind of a basic fundamental approach. One of the most interesting aspects about marriage in the Eastern churches is that we have, especially in the Byzantine church, we have what's called a betrothal ceremony. In other words, this is also called an engagement ceremony. The Byzantine church takes very seriously the courtship period of a couple, and this is one of those things that's going to be made very relevant in our presentations on the marriage initiative in our eparchy. We're going to go back to the ceremony, go back to a tradition such as this one, the betrothal, and we're going to look at that because it's actually a very timely issue. It brings up the question, and gives us a, actually a guide to the question of what really is dating today? What is dating as opposed to courtship? Are they different? Are they the same? What is dating, courtship, and marriage? Unfortunately, our world today, dating, especially among young teenagers, has become almost like mock marriage. And this is creating a whole lot of heartache and confusion. We need definition, we need clarity on this whole approach to man-woman relationships, especially as it gives rise to marriage. In days gone by, and it's probably something we need to resurrect again to answer this question, there was a difference between what we know today as dating and courtship. Courtship was basically where a man 
and a woman were brought together. Usually it was arranged marriage or semi-arranged marriage. You had a basic idea of the person who you might want to be seeking for marriage. And you approached them on that level. In other words, you didn't really date, as it were, unless you were doing so with the eye that this is a potential candidate for marriage. In other words, you were coming to know each other with the eye of marriage. There wasn't this idea that, well, I date, in other words, I am exclusive with this one person for a while, maybe after a while I'll go with somebody else, then somebody else, themselves. In other words, there wasn't this idea of like trying on shoes and then going on to the next one as we have today. That's basically what dating has been reduced to. And it's caused a lot of problems. Well, in the olden days, as I mentioned, they had this custom more of a courtship. And I know of families today that are trying to restore that or within their own families. In other words, I know a father is, has several daughters, and he does not allow his daughters to date, as it were. He certainly allows them to have male friends and have good friendships, healthy friendships, Christian friendships, man and woman friendships. But when it comes to so-called dating, he usually asks the man who is interested in his daughter, he says, well, are you ready for marriage? Are you a candidate for marriage? Not that you know you're going to marry my daughter tomorrow, but are you suitable for marriage at this age and your, your capabilities and so on? If so, then you can associate freely with my daughter in a kind of a more exclusive way. And this is what we call courtship. Otherwise, he says, no, I don't grant you permission to date my daughter. Now, we might find this to be strange, but I think there is something to this, something interesting that could be problem solving for us. And this is something that is contained in the custom of the Byzantine church when it comes to marriage. And it's all in this custom of the engagement ceremony. What happens is the couple at any point prior to the actual marriage comes to the priest and the priest blesses them. And he says this, he says, O eternal God, you have united those who were alone and instituted an indissoluble bond of love and marriage for them. You blessed Isaac and Rebekah and made them heirs to your promise. Now bless these your servants, directing them in their every good deed. For you are a merciful God who loves mankind. We glorify you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, now and ever and forever. Amen. Then he blesses them again. They bow their heads. And the priest says this, O Lord our God, who espoused the church, a pure virgin from among the Gentile nations, bless this engagement and unite and keep these your servants in peace and oneness of mind. For to you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, is due all glory, honor, and worship, now and ever and forever. Amen. And then with the priest then, as he takes the ring intended for the man, blesses him with it by making the sign of the cross over his head. And he says this, the servant of God, John, is engaged to the servant of God, Mary, in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Then the priest places the ring on the man's finger and taking the ring intended for the woman, he blesses her with it, making the sign of the cross over the head, saying the servant of God, Mary, is engaged to the servant of God, John, in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And of course, he places the ring on the woman's finger and then continues this way, glory be to Christ, our God, our hope, glory be to you. Glory to the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, now and ever and forever. Amen. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Give the blessing. May Christ, our true God, have mercy on us and save us with the prayers of his most holy mother, of the holy glorious and praiseworthy apostles, and of all the saints, for he's gracious and he loves mankind. And then the ceremony, the brief ceremony, continues with, Grant, O Lord, to your servants, John and Mary, peace, health, and happiness for many years. In which the response is, God grant them many years in peace, health, and happiness. God grant them many happy years. We'll talk more about the ritual of marriage in the Byzantine church when we return. I'm Father Thomas Loya on Light of the East. Light of the East's mission is Christianity's reunion. And to tell the story of the eastern lung of the Catholic Church, we need your support in order to keep Light of the East on the air. You can make a donation now by going to byzantinecatholic.com. That's ByzantineCatholic.com. Click on the radio button and then donate securely using any major credit card. With your help, we can keep Light of the East's illumination bright. 
Would you like to hear this Light of the East program again? Welcome to Light of the East. I'm Father Thomas Loya. Or hear Father Loya's companion program, A Body of Truth. Just visit the radio page at byzantinecatholic.com. That's byzantinecatholic.com. Or hear it again. Hear it again. Hear it again. Hear it again. For the first time. Can you imagine living a life without love, marriage, intimacy, sex, having children, or friendship? Of course not. I am Father Thomas Loya with a Theology of the Body moment for the Tabor Life Institute. Why do we desire these things so much? It is because God, who is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, is a union and communion of persons who united Himself with us in what the Scripture describes as a mystical marriage, a fruitful self-giving. Scripture also says that we are made in God's image and likeness, so we too are called to become a union and communion of persons in fruitful self-giving. This is why we cannot imagine living without marriage, intimacy, sex, having children, and friendship. Pope John Paul II said in his Theology of the Body that these are the very things that make us most like God. To find out more about the Theology of the Body, visit TaborLife.org. TaborLife.org. You're listening to Father Thomas Loya on Light of the East. I'm Father Thomas Loya, and I'm inviting you to Prairie Fest. To enjoy food, live music, and dancing as you tour the award-winning water management and sustainable plan of the church grounds of Annunciation Parish in Homer Glen, Illinois, at our annual Prairie Fest. No admission charge Prairie Fest kicks off at 6, Friday evening, August 13th, with music by the Tinley Park Arts Alive Jazz Band. Then Saturday, August 14th at 2, Prairie Fest, featuring the Vasalo Salo folk dancers and the music of Harvest Moon. On Sunday, August 15th at 11.30 a.m., polka with the world-famous Versatones at Prairie Fest. Then rock your socks off with the incredible Neverly Brothers. That's why I go for that rock and roll music. $5,000 grand prize raffle, church and prairie tour, bingo, games, pizza provided by Nancy Zomokina. Complete info at ByzantineCatholic.com. Prairie Fest. Friday, August 13th through the 15th at Annunciation Parish, 14610 Wilcook Road, Homer Glen, Illinois. Welcome back to Light of the East. We're talking about the Byzantine ritual for marriage. And actually, it's very timely. It's actually, in a sense, uh, to put the words of a young couple, it's actually really a cool thing. (laughs) But speaking of cool, we have an interesting news item I thought was a a neat thing for the uh, profile, the reputation of the church. We got another cool item. I'm going to have our news reporter here, Katie Goulis, report this really cool item of the church. Well, Father Tom, this article is from politicsdaily.com. It's by David Gibson, and it's called Vatican Newspaper. Blues Brothers is a Catholic classic. And it says, Jake and Elwood Blues, as the Catholic Church's newest saints? Not quite, but 30 years after comedians John Belushi and Dan Aykroyd, a.k.a. the Blues Brothers, let us know they were on a mission from God, the Pope's newspaper has given the John Landis cult film two thumbs up and then some. The plot of the film, which grew out of a Saturday Night Live skit popularized by Aykroyd and Belushi, who died of a drug overdose in 1982, revolves around Jake and Elwood's mission to raise money to save St. Helen of the Blessed Shroud Orphanage, where they were raised from foreclosure. 
Jake has just been released from prison, and the stern head of the orphanage, a scary nun played by the inimitable Kathleen Freeman, tells the brothers they must save the home. Jake and Elwood then see the light literally in a spiritual revival show led by James Brown, and the movie duo are off on a rollicking ride to redemption and jail. Of course, the duo broke any number of civil laws on their way, but it's all for a good cause. This is a memorable film, and judging by the facts, a Catholic one, the newspaper said according to Reuters. In his editorial, Jean-Marie Vian wrote that the evidence of the film's Catholic and spiritual heft is, quote, not lacking in a work where details certainly are not casual. There was a framed picture of a young and strong John Paul II in the boarding house, Vian said, and St. Helen of the Blessed Shroud Orphanage was governed by the mean but affectionate in her own way, Sister Mary Stigmata, a.k.a. the Penguin. <laughs> I got to have a fun digression, especially meaningful for you, Katie, because you're from Joliet. I am. Mm-hmm. And our parish and one of its original sites before it moved to Homer Glen was in Joliet. And it was just a block away from what I always call it the Blues Brothers prison. <laughs> yeah. That's <laughs> so where they filmed the opening scene. You've ever seen the movie, and now you have to see it now because L'Observatoire de Romano, the Pope's own newspaper, said we should see it. That one of the opening scenes there is the prison that used to be the old maximum security prison there in Joliet, which was near our church at that time at St. Mary Assumption, Business Catholic Church in the east side of Joliet. Since moved to Annunciation Church in Homer Glen. So kind of kind of fun thing and shows you how cool the church is, even the Vatican. <laughs> Speaking of cool. We have a cool approach to marriage in the Byzantine church, and how is it different than the approach in the West? Well, again, it's always a difference of emphasis. In the West, there is the emphasis of the covenant, the contract, the agreement between the couple. In a sense, the couple marries themselves, but in the presence of or witnessed by the church, symbolized by the priest or deacon, and of course, all those who are gathered there. So there's a strong emphasis of this as a contract or a covenant, a commitment. In the Eastern Church, the emphasis is more on the couple's relationship being brought into the life of the church and the life of the Trinity. So what happens is the priest is not just a witness as the couple marry themselves in a sense, but he actually is the one that imparts the blessing of marriage. He imparts the blessing of God in this marriage and the blessing of the church. So the priest's role actually becomes very significant. And as a result, when the theology is a certain way, everything else follows from that. In other words, the form of the ritual, its words, its prayers, its music, its, its movement, everything. So what happens in the Byzantine church, the marriage ritual is, the couple comes, when they come to the church on the day of the wedding, they come and stand together in the back of the church. In the Byzantine church, our tradition is that the father does not lead the bride down the aisle and the husband is already standing in front of the church waiting for her. This is how it is in in most Western churches. It's a common practice in America. It's a little bit different in the Byzantine church because, again, it's a different theological emphasis. Again, remember, whenever we see differences between East and West, we don't mean one is better than the other. We're just saying that they're different. It's like man and woman. They're different. They have different strengths, weaknesses, but they need each other. So in the East, the priest meets the couple in the back of the church, and he asks the couple a question. He turns to the husband first and says, John, have you come here freely and without reservation to take Mary here present to be your wife according to the mind of the church? And hopefully, John says, I have. (laughs) That's precisely why they ask that at the back of the church before we proceed. In other words, you want to make sure things in order before we even proceed. And then the priest asks the same thing in court to the woman. Have you come here without reservation to take John here present to be your husband according to the mind of the church? And of course, she hopefully says, resoundingly, I have. So now we can proceed in procession into the church. Now, this is very significant that they process together into the church and actually 
the, the couple is led in procession by the priest and, of course, the servers and eventually the wedding party into the church. And as they do, the reason why this is done this way is because the priest, representing the meeting point of God in the church, is symbolizing the fact that this couple's relationship is now being elevated. They're entering together into a new reality. They have been espoused. Their engagement has been blessed, as we heard in the last segment. And that's a very serious thing, by the way. The engagement, the espousal blessing in the Byzantine church is very binding, very serious. It's a throwback to a very, very ancient custom, going back to the time of the Bible. Remember, Joseph and Mary were espoused to each other. It's a very binding thing. So they enter into, and the priest is symbolizing that the couple is entering their relationship now into a new order, into the life of the Trinity and into the life of the church. So that's why the priest meets them, and they both walk down together. And as they do, the choir cantors will sing this. They sing the Psalm 127, the psalm about the happy home of the just. Blessed are all who fear the Lord, who walk in his ways. You shall eat of your hands labor. Blessed are you, and it shall be well with you. Your wife shall be like a fruitful vine in the recesses of your house. Your sons like olive shoots around your table. Behold, in this way shall be blessed the man who fears the Lord. May the Lord bless you out of Sion, and may you see the prosperity of Jerusalem all the days of your life. May you see your children's children. Peace upon Israel. Actually, it's a very beautiful chant. It goes like this. Blessed are all who fear the Lord, who walk in his ways. You shall eat of your hands labor. Blessed are you, and it shall be well with you. And so on. It's a very lovely melody. It can be sung by a soloist or a choir. There's a number of ways we can do this in the Byzantine church. You have a limited choice, in a sense, of the, the chant in a wedding. You don't have a lot of choices, as you do in the Western church. However, there's various ways that you can actually do the chant. Then as the couple enters the front of the church, they stand in the middle of the church, but towards the front. And then the deacon or priest begins a litany. Now, these are prayers for the couple and for actually everything, for peace in the world and for the church and for the pope and their bishops and everybody. And the response is, by the people, Lord have mercy. But then in the litany, we start to get more specific about the couple. So the priest says this, or the deacon, For the servants of God, John and Mary, who are now to be joined in the common life of marriage, and for their salvation, let us pray to the Lord. That this marriage be blessed, as was the marriage in Cain of Galilee, let us pray to the Lord. That a chaste life and devoted children may be granted to them, as let us pray to the Lord. That they may rejoice at the sight of their sons and daughters, let us pray to the Lord that they may be rewarded with good children a life above reproach, let us pray to the Lord, that they and we be granted the petitions that are helpful to our salvation, let us pray to the Lord, and so on. And after the litany then, the priest does a very beautiful prayer that takes us deep into the Old Testament and to figures of marriage from the Old Testament. He prays this, O God, most pure author of all creation, you and your love for mankind transform the rib of our forefather Adam into woman and bless them, saying, Be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. Through marriage you made them two in one flesh. For this reason a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and two shall become one flesh. Those whom God has joined together let no man put asunder. In your loving kindness you blessed your servant Abraham, and granting faithfulness to Sarah, you made him the father of a multitude of nations. You gave Isaac to Rebekah and blessed them with children. You joined Jacob and Rachel, raising from that union the twelve patriarchs. You united Joseph to Asenath and blessed them with children, Ephraim and Manasseh, and accepting the prayer of Zachary and Elizabeth, revealed in their child the forerunner John the Baptist. You caused ever Virgin Mary to blossom forth in the order of nature from the root of Jesse, and you yourself became incarnate of her and were born of her for the salvation of the human race. 
In your indescribable graciousness and great goodness, you came to Cain and Galilee and blessed their marriage which took place there. Thus you made it clear that it was your will that there should be lawful marriage, and from it the procreation of children. Now, Master, Holy Master, hear the supplication of us, your servants, and as you were there, so also be here, with your invisible presence, and bless this marriage, granting to your servants, John and Mary, a peaceful long life, matrimonial chastity, mutual love, and the bond of peace, a long-lived posterity, happiness in their children, the unfading crown of glory. Keep their married life above reproach and grant them to see their children's children. Give them dew from heaven and the fruitfulness of the earth and provide them with an abundance of temporal good things that they in turn may share their abundance with those in need and grant to everyone here present with them all that is necessary for salvation. For your merciful, generous God who loved mankind, we give glory to you together with your eternal Father, your all holy, gracious, life-giving spirit, now and ever and forever. Amen. We're going to talk more about the Byzantine ritual for marriage as this year of marriage unfolds. So please, thanks for listening. I'm Father Thomas Loya on Light of the East. Thank you for listening. Next week, we will return to the Light of the East. To find out more about Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish, visit our website, byzantinecatholic.com, where you will also find an archive of all of our programs. In order to continue this program with its mission of Christianity's reunion, we need your support with a donation. Any amount would be a blessing. Please make out a check to Light of the East Radio and send it to Light of the East, 14610 Will Cook Road, Homer Glen, Illinois 60491. That's Light of the East 14610 Will Cook Road, spelled W I L L C O O K Road, Homer Glen, Illinois. From the Light of the East, a new dawn of unity is in sight. God bless you, go with God, and may God bless you and grant you many happy years. <laughs>